Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. 2,000 years ago, our Lord ascended into his heavenly glory, and from that time on, his humanity had irreversibly entered into heaven. And so he's seated for all time at God's right hand in glory. And only, the Catechism says that only in a holy, exceptional, and unique manner would Jesus show himself to Paul after his ascension. And that was the only other time when his glorified humanity was seen on earth as it was before the ascension. It's the only exception. And with Christ's ascension, St. Paul says that we too have mystically ascended into heaven insofar as we are united with Christ by grace, and he is united with us because he has the same nature as we do. He has a human nature, and he brought that human nature up into heaven. And so we, in a sense, in a mystical sense, have also already ascended into heaven. So it was at this moment of the ascension that his public ministry came to an end. He he had accomplished the mission that his father had given him. He had redeemed us from sin. And we can read all that he said and did during his three years of public ministry in the Gospels. The Acts of the Apostles tell us what happened to the church after his ascension, once the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And in the epistles of the New Testament, we can read about those various truths that the Holy Spirit led the apostles to discover and to understand more fully once he had descended upon them. But what about our Lord himself? Did you ever think about that? What happened to Jesus after the ascension? Because we got church history to teach us about what happened on earth after the ascension. We're more or less so aware of how the church began to spread, expand, and eventually go to the ends of the earth as our Lord commanded in today's gospel. But what about our Lord? He's a pretty important guy as well. What happened to Jesus Christ? We heard that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but what activity is he engaged in? The letter to the Hebrews and the book of Revelation tell us what he's doing up in heaven. It says that he is the eternal high priest who continuously or incessantly offers or intercedes for us. He is the one priest of the new and eternal covenant. And in heaven, this high priest of ours permanently exercises his priesthood in the presence of God the Father on our behalf. And most of this is from the Catechism or the Letter to the Hebrews. And so that's what Jesus is doing now. He is acting like a priest in heaven. He is, as the Catechism says, the central and principal actor of the liturgy that honors the Father in heaven. We might have heard before that when he was on Calvary, on the cross, this is when he acted like priest. Because the priest is primarily somebody who offers sacrifices. That's what the priest does. And on Calvary, Jesus acts like a priest by offering himself. So he's both the priest who offers and the victim who is offered. He is what is offered to the Father. But that same intercessory, redemptive offering that Jesus did on Calvary continues to be offered in heaven in an eternal fashion. 
And that's thanks to the ascension. Jesus did not simply offer himself to the Father on Calvary and then say, my job is done. Now the Holy Spirit's going to take over. But he continues to intercede for us and he continues to eternally offer himself to the Father in heaven. By growing in a knowledge of the ascension of our Lord, we can actually grasp more fully what it is that is happening in every single Mass. St. Leo the Great, he was a Pope from the 5th century, he said this about Jesus' activity in heaven. Although he is seated at the right hand of the Father, so Jesus is in heaven, at God's right hand, he performs the sacrament of the atonement in the same flesh which he assumed from the Virgin Mary. So he's performing a sacrament in heaven, says St. Leo the Great. The sacrament of atonement. Now, atonement is actually an English word. It sounds foreign, but it actually means at one with. Like, the atonement is uniting us to God. So Jesus is performing a sacrament in heaven, which is at oneing us with God, which is making us one with God. And what's really fascinating about this particular line from a letter of St. Gregory, sorry, from St. Leo the Great, is that he's drawing a connection between this sacrament of atonement, the ascension of our Lord, and the incarnation. Because he said, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, offering the sacrament of atonement in the same flesh that he assumed from the Virgin Mary. And the reason why they're interrelated is very simple. In the ascension, Jesus takes that sacrifice that was offered on Calvary out of love in time, so there's a particular time and place where this happened, and he brings that offering of himself into heaven, into eternity, into the Holy of Holies above. He enters the eternal now of the Father, so he goes outside of time. And in that eternal now of the Father, he offers himself to the Father on our behalf once and for all time. Let's flesh, this, let's flesh this out a bit more. The ascension of Jesus teaches us two essential truths. First, the incarnation did not end with his passion and death. It's not as if Jesus took a human body to himself did his thing on earth, and then left the human body behind. No, he brought that human nature into heaven with him, right? He still is true God and true man. That's why when we receive the Eucharist, we're not just receiving the divinity of Jesus, we're receiving his body and blood as well. When he rises from the dead, he has the same body that he took from the Blessed Virgin Mary in a glorified state. And he takes that glorified body into the Father's presence and he sits at his right hand. Therefore, the sacrifice that he accomplishes in the flesh on Good Friday is now being perpetually offered to the Father for all eternity. And that's why the Mass is something we call a sacrifice. The Mass, the thing that we go to every single Sunday, hopefully we go during the week if we're able to as well, it's a sacrifice. But if you don't understand the ascension, you end up with the conclusion like Martin Luther, 
who heretically said that the teaching of the mass as being a sacrifice was blasphemous because he thought that we were re-sacrificing Jesus. We're going to do it again. The ascension is what allows the mass to be a sacrifice without having to re-sacrifice Jesus. There is only one sacrifice that he offered on Calvary, and that one sacrifice has been brought from time into eternity. Every time we get together at the Mass, we're just participating. We're taking part in that one single sacrifice, which has now entered into eternity. So we don't need to time travel, but we are tapping into that eternal reality in heaven. It's how the offering of Jesus on Good Friday can come to us today in every altar throughout the world. And that's basically the second truth as well from the ascension. The sacrifice of the atonement does not cease. The incarnation does not cease and the sacrifice does not cease. Now, this, let's, let's clarify, this takes place without Jesus suffering because when Jesus offered himself on Calvary, we talk about how much he suffered, how painful that was, how arduous that was, the blood he shed. But he does not shed blood in heaven. He does not suffer in heaven. He offers himself without suffering. And so it is a sacrifice, but there is no suffering involved anymore. One author compared the difference between Christ's offering on Calvary to his offering in heaven to the Old Testament ritual of Yom Kippur, of the Day of Atonement. So like in the Old Testament, the Jewish people would gather at the temple on this Day of Atonement, and the high priest would offer a sacrifice on an altar outside the Holy of Holies. So they would take the life of the victim with outside the Holy of Holies on this altar, and then they would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of that offering, with the blood of that sacrifice. So too, Christ on Good Friday, outside the walls of Jerusalem, he is sacrificed on the altar of the cross. And then in the ascension, he goes into the heavenly holy of holies and he presents the results, if you will. He shows the wounds of his sacrifice to the Father there in heaven. So when Christ ascended, an offering began to be presented to the Father in heaven for the first time instead of being presented to the Father from an earthly temple. The second person of the Holy Trinity in his divinity had always been in heaven. What changes with the ascension is that his humanity is now in heaven. And what was sacrificed on Calvary? Not the divinity. Jesus couldn't sacrifice his divinity. That's part of the reason why he took a human nature, so that he would have something to offer, something to sacrifice. And that same offering of his human nature continues in heaven, beginning at the ascension. And so every time we attend Mass, we are communing with this eternal sacrifice of the Son. What takes place on this altar? And this is an altar. This is not a table. This is not some simply a place where we have a meal. This is a place where a sacrifice is carried out. A sacrifice is made present. The Catechism says that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of the Eucharist are one single sacrifice. 
what takes place is the representation, the presentation again of the sacrifice of Jesus. The offering that occurred in time on Calvary continues in eternity in heaven. The redemptive sacrifice of Christ is made present in the Eucharistic sacrifice of the church. And so the Catechism says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's coming on Pentecost and the church, these two elements, these two powers, these two forces, the Spirit and the church enable us to, quote, participate in this eternal liturgy whenever we, part whenever we celebrate the mystery of salvation in the sacraments. So the takeaway today is that the Mass is a very big deal. The Mass is something which we probably have some idea of what's going on in the Mass, but it's probably a little bit imperfect. The Mass is not just a religious-themed gathering. It's not just a place to get together and hear stories about Jesus. It's not simply a time for an inspirational talk, because it's very often not inspirational also. We're not here primarily to be fed as if Mass was primarily about us. Like, we want to get rid of that egocentric view of what the Mass is about. We are not here for our sake primarily. That's, we're going to get something out of this. We're we are hopefully going to be fed, but it's not about us primarily. And the emphasis is not placed on communal prayer. And as scandalous as this might sound, the most important part of the Mass is not even the reception of Holy Communion. We have an obligation to go to Mass every Sunday, but we have no obligation to receive Communion every Sunday. We should if we can. We should receive it every day if we can. But that's not the most important part of the Mass. The Mass is a link to heaven, like a wormhole that unites two different parts of the space-time continuum if, in fact, these wormholes exist. The mass connects earth with heaven, a link to the risen and ascended Jesus who is presenting his sacrifice eternally to the Father. And that wouldn't be possible unless the ascension were true. Mary, the Blessed Virgin, she was at Calvary when Jesus offered his sacrifice in time, and she's now in heaven where Jesus continues to offer himself to the Father in eternity. Let's ask that she might pray for us so that we might be present to, in this Mass in the same way that she was present to the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, that we might pray as she prayed, and that we might have sentiments and devotion like what she had on Calvary's hill.